is now time for our Encounter with God section. So basically this is our Bible study, 20 million movement. There's people all around the world who are doing the same study. So this morning, if you're listening, you can follow along. Um, if you have a Bible, you can crack it out. If you're just at work having a listen, we're glad you joined us. Um, but before we get into it, um, I might say a word of prayer before we, before we read. Uh, Papa Lord God, I just thank you so much that we have access to your word um, as we read this morning. God help us uh, see more of who you are and more of who we are. And we just thank you for this opportunity to study the Bible together. Amen. Mm-hmm. So yesterday, as you guys may or may not recall, if you were listening, we were talking about crisis of leadership. And so we are in, uh, yeah, we're currently in Isaiah chapter 6. Yesterday we spoke on the kind of holiness of God. Isaiah sees this vision it's pretty hectic, um, but it, yeah, it's really about the holiness of God, as I just said. So we're going to continue reading through that. So in Isaiah chapter 6, as you said, if you have your Bible, read along. Otherwise, Carly, do you want to take it away? Isaiah 6, verse 5 to 7. Alrighty. So I said, Woe is me, for I am undone, because I am a man of unclean lips, and I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips. For my eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts, Then one of the seraphim flew to me, having in his hand a live coal, which he had taken with tongs from the altar. And he touched my mouth with it and said, Behold, this has touched your lips. Your iniquity is taken away and your sin is purged. It's pretty hectic. (laughs) Right. What what do you reckon? Okay, so when I do my devotions, I just ask questions. Like literally, I just have a journal and just be like, why did this? Da-da-da-da. And I sometimes will go down the, now how did this feel? <laughs> Tangent. Like just on the a human. feeling brain. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. The feeling, that's right, the emotional brain. <laughs> but I do wonder, like, you've just seen this amazing sight. I just, I feel like his response is totally reasonable. He's like, whoa, woe is my life. <laughs> what is happening? What's going to happen to me? Because, mm. like, we see, oh, oh, you know what, let's, let's, let's read some more. In... Judges 6, we're going to go over there, we often see that, yeah, when people kind of have this interaction with God, they're like, oh, and the angels consistently have to be like, don't be <laughs> afraid, you're not going to die. But yeah, let's, let's just read another. Oh, Judges, I'm going the wrong way. Um, Which is interesting, right? Because God is a God that we don't need to be afraid of. At the same time, there's this fear of the Lord thing, mm. you know, the Bible yep. talks consistently about um, so let's read Judges 6, verse 22 and 23. Do one of you guys want to read that? Sure. Now Gideon perceived that he was the angel of the Lord. So Gideon said, Alas, O Lord God, for I have seen the angel of the Lord face to face. Then the Lord said to him, Peace be with you. Do not fear. You shall not die. Mm. So if we remember from... In the early testament, uh, early, yeah, early Old Testament, God kind of says, "Hey, no one can see me and live." Mm. That doesn't seem to apply the same degree with angels, yeah, for yeah. Isaiah's case, right? But it's definitely enough to like panic him a bit, <laughs> scare you a bit. Like, yep. <laughs> <laughs> a full ensemble of them didn't kill the shepherds, so no. Yes, I feel like that's true. a fairly good opportunity for them to come out in all of their glory. Mm. Yeah. It's interesting with the shepherds as well, which I love. That's one of the aspects I love about that story because it starts with one angel appearing and being like, hey, hang on, I've got some good news. It's yeah. really good. 
And then you can kind of see, guys, hold back. Hang on, hang on. Stay, stay invisible. <laughs> I'm just got, I'll greet them. They'll get used to me. And then once we've shared the message, then everyone can come. And then you, mm. you notice that after a while, then all the angels come. It's like, okay, we can't stop it anymore. We're so excited. Ah! And then they just break out. That is cool. And so it's like God being like, all right, guys, they're going to be a bit scared. <laughs> so maybe, maybe just one of you have you a chance. down. Yeah. <laughs> one of you, get them used to that. And then you can go for it. Uh-huh. And you just see that joy of heaven being like, ah, God's coming. Do you guys know? Yeah, and it's just angels being like, yep, okay, so keen. Yep, okay, a little bit. And and like you said, like that mm-hmm. message of like, hey, I'm here, hang on, don't freak out, it's all right. Be calm, don't be afraid, but here's the message and it's really important and that's why God sent me yeah. to share that with you. Mm. That's a good point, right? Like any time the angels show up really through the Bible, there's an important message. Mm. Like in this situation, it's a very different kind of political message. Oh, well, it is. It's to the people who are kind of off doing their own thing. And God's like, hey, I actually really want to draw you back to me. And then you have, you know, say the story where it comes to the shepherd. Still an important message. Sort of a different message. Well, mm. no, is it? It's still about God going, I want to be with you guys. Like, yeah. Yep. Mm. Which is, that, you know, that, mm. the gospel of like, hey, I love you. I care about you. Yeah. In this situation, you might need a bit of a reprimand. In this situation, <laughs> it's encouragement. Yeah. Either way, it's still that underlying message of love from God, which yeah. I think is amazing. Hard out. But think about how it was presented. Like just before um, the, the Isaiah passage that we read, mm. you can read the visual details about what the angels appearing was like to Isaiah as yeah. opposed to what it was like for the shepherds. And it is terrifying. <laughs> it is really scary. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, well, let's, let's quickly do that. Um, in, in 6 verse 2, yeah. above it stood seraphim. Each one had six wings. With two he covered his face, with two he covered his feet, and with two he flew. Six wings. Mm. You see a couple of, and it's seraphim, it's plural. You see a couple of those guys coming at you with six wings. Yeah. Just, you'd be freaking out. Yeah, hard out. I um, So I'm reading Ezekiel um, through at the moment again. And it's not it's not the exact same description as this. Is it the seraphim as well? Or maybe it's the cherubim. Anyway, just going to side tangent over here. Different kind of angel. But... You guys have read Ezekiel, yeah? Mm. The first chapter is all like this weird-ass vision and it's just like these four creatures uh, – sorry, these creatures with four faces, with wings, with like all this different stuff. And I'm like trying to read it and be like, oh, what is this? <laughs> and I just imagine any of the prophets trying to explain this thing that you're seeing that is kind of like a human, also really not. How do you explain that? And also – not just explain what it is, but how to articulate the gravity of the fact that you are seeing it. Mm. Like, I just feel like as I hear, he does pretty good in the sense that he, we know his reaction. He's just like, Mm-mm. what are you doing here? What are you doing here with me? But you're right. Terrifying, right? Yeah. Maybe not a bad terror. No, mm. absolutely. It, and, and then you and then you see the next part where it's like, and the posts of the door were shaken by the voice of him who cried, and the house was filled with smoke. Like the whole situation, <laughs> just like, whoa, what is happening? And like you said, I mean, his response is totally relatable because like, oh, I am undone. Mm. I should not be here. I don't know what I'm doing here in the presence of everything that's going on here. This, no, <laughs> I would just be flat on the it's ground. Not where I want to be. <laughs> <laughs> Incredible. I have a question about that actually for you guys. So... My version says, and so, uh, verse four, and the house was filled with smoke. Do you reckon, like, what's the significance of this? Because we also see this when um, God comes to Moses on the mountain, mm. that there's all this cloud and thunder and lightning. So, but it's you, you can't see it, right? It's all this, yeah, cloud. Um, I find it this really interesting um, dichotomy. Is that the word I want? Where on one hand, you have the whole, your presence is brightness. 
also your throne is covered in cloud. Mm. Do you know what I mean? Like, is that for our sake because we can't see the glory of God and live? But then, like, sorry, I'm just like just talking here. I don't have a conclusion. But what are your guys' thoughts? Which we will explore in a second. Basically, for those of you who don't know, we have a break just right now. You're listening to Faith FM, positively different radio. And every time, every time I'm like, mm, <laughs> running out of time. Anyway, do you guys have any thoughts on the cloud, brightness, darkness situation? Mm. Well, what was coming through my mind as you were discussing that is this idea of um, Jesus' presence being with the people of Israel. And in the daytime, he's there as a cloud, like protecting them, covering them. And then at nighttime, it swaps over and becomes that fire to keep them warm and provide light at night. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. I don't have anything deep to say about that, but just this idea, you know, that we do see the presence of God demonstrated in different, um, different forms, I guess. Yeah. Which is kind of cool. Mm. Cause I like, we don't know what God's being is like because we can't see him. Mm. And I just think it's cool that he has these really physical ways to manifest that this is definitely a bigger, greater, stranger being than your classic human. Yeah, right. <laughs> Absolutely. There's another story, mm. the one where um, God shows his back to Moses. Ooh, yeah. Because Moses said, Lord, I'd like to see you in your full glory. And, and God said, no, you can't <laughs> handle that. <laughs> Just settle. Know your place. Mm. But then um, uh, passages in uh, Exodus 34, verse 5 to 28, and I won't read the whole thing. Um, but the Lord descended in the cloud and stood with him there and proclaimed the name of the Lord. The Lord passed before him and proclaimed, The Lord, the Lord, a God merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness, keeping steadfast love for thousands, forgiving iniquity and transgression and sin, but who will by no means clear the guilty, visiting the, the iniquity of the fathers on the children and the children's children to the third and fourth generation. Earlier in that passage, it mentions that he appears in, in cloud. Hmm. Um, so deliberate, and he shows only his back. Yeah. So I think that the cloud is, you know, for our ben- for our benefit mm. yeah. to obscure the full glory. Otherwise, it'd wipe us out. Um, yeah. You know what I really like about the story, and again, this is going on a bit of a tangent. But he asks to see the glory of God. God says you actually can't handle it. But then what he does show him is all those things, like mm. slow to anger, loving da 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 da. And I'm like, oh, this the character of God is part of His glory. Mm. Yeah. Like, to me, that's just an interesting thing. It's not like, look at my splendor. That's part of it because you're like, you, you can't deal with that. Mm. But a big part is also like God's heart. So I just, yeah. I just think it's interesting. Yeah. yeah, like the beauty of God. Like this yeah. is actually, this is almost like this is not, you know, almost more important. Like this is who God is coming mm. back to like the God is love and this is the reality. This is more of important God to you. Yeah, you can't see yeah. God, but this is what you really need to know about him. He yes. loves you. He you know, holds justice as important. He holds grace as important. Mm. Yeah. He gives mercy. This at, is the part that humans need to at, relate to. Yeah, at this point, what would seeing his form really do for us? Nothing. Mm. All we need to know is, you know, the Bible, the gospel, what God shows to us. Mm. He shows yeah. us everything we need to know. Yeah. That's yeah. a really good point. I really like that. Yeah. Um, let's come back to Isaiah for a sec. So I've got this quote I'm just going to read. So it says... Standing, as it were, in the light, uh, sorry, in the full light of the divine presence within the inner sanctuary, he, being Isaiah, 
realized that if left to his own imperfection and inefficiency, he would be utterly unable to accomplish the mission to which he had been called. So this is going back to um, five through seven, where he says, you know, woe am I, Mm. I'm a man of unclean lips. I dwell in the midst of unclean people for my eyes have seen the king. I find it really interesting because if we, I don't know if you guys remember the story, Ooh, is it in John? Luke? Oh. <laughs> anyway, it's one of the gospel stories where Jesus comes and calls Peter and the disciples from the boat. We have this in a couple of gospels, but in this in, in this gospel, it's where, you know, hey, have you caught some fish? No, we've been out here all night. Chuck out your nets again. Oh, but Lord, okay, we will. Jesus literally just helps him ca- catch some fish and Peter jumps out, fall on his knees. He's like, get away from me because mm. I'm a sinner. Mm. You know, like what is it about that thing? And it's that's the human level, right? We see Jesus in his humanity here. But I'm like, it's almost always the same response when people come into contact with who God is. It's, oh, no, I shouldn't be in your presence. Mm. But I love that this is Isaiah at the side of this chapter. He's the one being called, mm. right? It's just like, yeah, as humans, we are probably more of a liability to God than a help. In my head, in my head. Absolutely. <laughs> but he's still like, no, 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 you're the one for the job. Yeah. Like, you you come, I'll sort out your mess, mm. but you come. Yeah. Sounds, it's yeah. so cool. It's like God doesn't need us at all, and yet this beautiful reality is that he's like, hey, I, 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 he I want to us. use you. Yeah, I yeah. want to yeah. use you in sharing, you know, the gospel of God's love. Like, yeah. Yeah. Don't need you, but hey, do you want to come along? And you know what? I'll teach you what you need to know Yeah, in the process and clean you up. As we've just read with Isaiah being like, you can't fix yourself. There's <laughs> nothing you can do. Isaiah's like, oh, I've got nothing. This is not good. And then God's like, yeah, but I've got everything and I've actually done everything that needs to be done, mm. um, which I think is just beautiful. Mm. Do you think it takes recognizing our need a little bit here too? Like mm. what we can only speculate, but what would have happened if this had come and Isaiah's reaction was either, oh, I'm all good. Man, cool, I get to see God. Or he was like, no, 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 actually get away from me. Do you know what I mean? Like if it was either so far, no, I refuse to be accepted by mm. you for this work, or oh, it's not that big a deal, like I'm not that bad a person, you know, would he have still had the same ministry? Mm. Because here um, it says that one of the seraphim flew, um, having having in his hand a live coal which he had taken with the tongs from the altar. The altar, for context, being in the sanctuary, the sanctuary, the whole purpose of that was because God was going, I want to dwell among them. I want my presence to be with you. And while they had the sanctuary, there was always going to be hope for the people. Like someone, oh, I was listening to a sermon once, and they said, what's the worst possible thing Israel could have ever done? It wasn't the, to commit the great sin. It would have been to not have the sanctuary. Mm-hmm. Because while there was a sanctuary, there was a hope for remission of sin because it all points to Jesus. And I was like, oh, that's a good point. Anyway, so that's context, altar, fire. He comes, touches his lips, and he says, Behold, this is touch your lips. Your iniquity is taken away and your sin is purged. What's the significance of this? Why Why the coal? Why the fire? Why touching the lips? Mm. That's an interesting one, hey? And, you know, just when Isaiah's like, Oh, look, I've, I've, I'm, I'm undone. I've got unclean lips. I can't, I, I dwell with people who are messed up just like me. Mm. I'm not the person that, you know, I'm not the person who should be doing this at all. <laughs> and then God's like, yeah, not as you are, but Ooh. you can become more like the person that I've designed you to be in the first place. And I'll help you with that first step. Yeah. I'll call you, I'll, you know, as you said, you're unclean. Well, let me do, and you know, and the incense. And I really love the idea that, um, you know, when you think about the sanctuary, like you're saying with the incense and the altar, like 
that's they use the altar to light the incense and to burn that. Mm. But because of the coal, that's what touches the incense and burns it. But here, Isaiah is the one who's being touched by the coal. So it's like, in a way, he's become, it's like, I don't know, maybe symbolically like that incense being like, hey, like, I'm going to use you to spread the fragrance of my love to the world. Like, where you go, um, you know, symbolically, the coal has now gone to Isaiah, and now Isaiah is the one who, through his ministry, which God has empowered him to do, that will will spread the fragrance of God to whoever he comes in contact with. And it's God that's doing that. I love that. No, keep going. I'm just, that's just reminded me of a Bible verse I'm going to read. Do you have any, any thoughts, Mitch? I'm loving what I'm hearing. Okay. <laughs> Perfect. So that just reminded me. I love that thought. So in 2 Corinthians 2, verse 14 and 15. Oh, I love these verses. So it says, Now thanks be to God who always leads us in, tri- always leads us in triumph in Christ and through us diffuses the fragrance mm-hmm. of his knowledge in every place. For we are to God the fragrance of Christ among those who are being saved and among those who are perishing. Yeah, wow. It's, it's literally that thought, right? It's like, you go be the fragrance now. Mm. You, mm. That's beautiful. Mm. Very nice. That's a thought. Yeah. I don't know what kind of thought, but it's a thought. <laughs> it's a good one. <laughs> yeah, wow. And I guess with the altar too, or I think I'm getting, oh, no, it was a consistently lit fire, right? Like mm. it was never to go out. Yep. So I guess there's part of that in that the work of the Holy Spirit and that we know that it says that God never sleeps. Mm. Like the work is consistently there to be done in saving us. And saving the people. And you're right. He Like, I feel like God often goes, this is what I'm going to do. And you may help. Mm, <laughs> yeah. Let's just, let's just come back to that. But I'm, I'm in charge. But you come along. You're listening to The Breakfast Show Podcast on Faith FM. Positively different. Welcome back. Okay, this is part three of our encounter with God. Um, but we have, I think, a text message that's we've, come in. We've got a quick thought that is absolutely worth sharing. Um, it's from Nita? Yep. It's from Nita, yep. The things God had for Isaiah to share needed to be communicated. That means words with the association of speaking. Isaiah did not feel he could do this because his means of communicating was tainted with sin. So God is effectively cleansing Isaiah's communication to be holy enough to transmit his holy message. Oh, that's awesome. Mm, yes. Fully. That's great. While we're off air, you two both had some really interesting thoughts. So, Carly, mm. well, tell, us, yeah. tell us more. We got a bit excited, so we just kept discussing. We sure did. And then we thought <laughs> we should save it yeah. and actually speak to you guys so that mm. you know. <laughs> so now we're going to share it with the rest of you. <laughs> Um, yeah, just think about what Min was saying before about this idea, this idea of, like Isaiah was saying, okay, woe is me, I'm undone. But what happens when you go the complete opposite and you're like, you know what? I've got my life sorted. Mm. God, let me go and share your message. Like, I can do this. Um, and we actually see that when we look back. And so in verse 1 it said, in the year that King Uzziah died, if we go back and look in Second Chronicles chapter 26, we see a whole section here where it talks about the penalty for Uzziah's pride. And just before that, in the first section, it talks about all these amazing things that God did through this king and how he was used by God Mm. um, just to bless the kingdom. But then we see what often happens. Pride comes before a fall. And it says, so his fame spread far and wide. He was marvelously helped till he became strong. Verse 16. But when he was strong in his heart, sorry, when he was strong, his heart was lifted up to his destruction. Mm. For he transgressed against the Lord his God by entering, and again we see the temple of the Lord, to burn incense on the altar of incense. And 
as we know from the following verses, this is not something that's appropriate for the king to do. Mm-hmm. And the priests come in and they say, hey, look, buddy, you shouldn't, you shouldn't be in here. You shouldn't be doing this. This is for people who are set apart by God to be the priests, the sons of Aaron, consecrated to burn the incense. And so they literally say to him, get out of the sanctuary for you have trespassed. Mm-hmm. You shall have no honor from the Lord God. Then Azir became furious and he had the censer in his hand to burn incense. And while he was angry with the priests, leprosy broke out on his forehead. And so we see the, the natural consequences here of when he's, he's stepping in and he's doing something that he was not called by God to do mm-hmm. and it wasn't appropriate for him to do. And if you continue on, you find out that he actually he ended up um, passing away because of leprosy, um, living on his own, and, and his life kind of takes a big, big downturn yeah. because he had that pride um, and just yeah. that, that impact that can have on your life when you step in and you go, you know what, I've got my life sorted. I don't need you, God, or I, I can help you, God, when yeah. God hasn't necessarily given you that particular role um, yeah. to take part in. But, yeah, Mitch, you had some awesome ideas about this idea of fire and the impact that that can have. Yeah, well, it kind of ties in with Nita's thought from um, a little bit earlier, just the connection between um, what the, the what the fire does for the person that it is that it is touching. Uh, and it made me think of the story of Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego, who when they were sent into the fire, the only things that actually burned on them were their ropes. Mm. So in the same sense that this coal is cleansing Isaiah of his, um, of his tainted communication, um, the same way this fire is burning the thing that's holding Shadrach and Meshach and yeah. Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego back. It's just you know freeing them from their restraints and helping them go and and um, and deliver God's message to their people. Yeah, I really like that. I really like how all these stories kind of connect in some ways, you know, because mm. it's for me. I was explaining to one of my sisters. So many people, I'm like, yeah, this is my family. Anyway, my sister in in the UK we were messaging the other day, and I was saying the Old Testament for me just reveals the emotional, relational heart in a way that, for me, the New Testament often doesn't. Now, we see that heart, but it's just manifested mm. really differently, whereas you have all of these stories. And I was like, man, this is – it's such a work of grace that God is consistently calling his people. But I think, as you were saying, Carly, right, it wasn't that – yeah, it was – it's not about God going, I'm going to punish because I'm harsh mm. to be mean. Yeah. But it's like, man, I need you to understand that you're never going to get to save yourself. Like, do you understand? And he's a king. So he's this full representative to the people and he's just like, sanctuary, what of it? I can come and do the thing. And God's like, no, you you can't sort yourself mm-hmm. out. Like like in the start of Isaiah, like as as a book, we see that in, ver- uh, in chapter 1, sorry, verse 16, what, down to like 18, it's this whole wash yourselves, make yourselves clean, put away the evil of your doings before my eyes, cease to do evil, learn to do good, seek justice. Rebuke the oppressor, defend the fatherless, plead for the widow. Come now and let us reason together, says the Lord. Though your sins are like scarlet, they should be white as snow. They are red like crimson, they shall be as wool. Like it's this beautiful mm. aspect of God being like, you are a mess. You are. Like yeah. let's not let's not pretend you're not because I can't help you heal what you refuse to let me see, you know. And so then he comes and he's like, all right, you have, you need to communicate better? I got you sorted. Yeah. You know, it's like, I don't know. I just think God's incredible that he invites us into this consistently because mm. yep. that's a conversation I constantly have with God. I'm like, and if I'm being honest, it probably sways between the two. I'm like, I think I'm okay. He's like, mm. you're not. <laughs> or I'm like, no, 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 I'm not the one you want. He's like, you are. Like, <laughs> But, yeah, what you said about the 
what, what did it, his heart was lifted up in the strength when his yeah. heart was lifted up or something. Mm. That's so interesting because it's that whole, yeah, pride comes before a fall. And then that's Paul's thing, right, in First Corinthians 12, where he says, um, my grace is sufficient for your weakness. Mm. Like the minute I stand in my strength of like, I'm sweet, man. Like I'm not. Yeah. But when I'm in that space of there's something here that I'm not strong enough to do, I was like, yeah, but I, I got it. Yeah. Anyway, that's just... No, it's, it's cool. I love that. And just this idea that it's something that God does. Like when we think about fire and the idea of fire being purified and then and then my brain goes on the tangent of like, yeah, but fire pu- like purifies gold. Yeah. And I remember hearing an anecdote about someone explaining that process and how when, you know, someone who was purifying gold with fire was like, yeah, but how do you know when it's done? And he's like, oh, because, you know, all the impurities get burned away. And he's like, oh, I know it's done when I actually see my reflection in yeah. it. And that whole idea of God purifying us with fire through the Holy Spirit, through everyday aspects of our life. Mm. Um, and I just love in Proverbs where it says, Proverbs chapter 17, verse 3, it says, the refining pot is for silver and the furnace for gold, but the Lord tests the heart. Hey. And so it's like God tests yeah. us and he goes, hey, where are you at? Let me share with you where you're at. Let me share with you that you actually need me. Just like as I was like, oh, I'm in the presence of God. I need God. I am not worthy. Mm. But then let me actually purify you through that using the Holy Spirit and using experiences in life. And then as a result of that, he then calls us to go and share. Um, yeah, God's love with everyone that we come in contact with. Yeah. Mm. And what we were talking about in the interview of day with Jennifer just before, she was talking about the brain and brain function and brain structure. And oh, I can't even remember what I asked her, but it was kind of, you know, how, how can you even begin to make changes? And she was saying when you... Um, when your brain becomes aware, like the more you know, the more you can become aware to make changes. I think it's the same thing. Like the Bible talks consistently about like the knowledge of God. And there's a beautiful passage somewhere later in Isaiah that says, you know, when the knowledge of the Lord fills the earth, and that's when you have this whole, the lion will lie with the lamb, that, you know, in heaven it's going to be sweet um, because the true knowledge of who God is is going to just be forefront in our minds. You're listening to The Breakfast Show Podcast on Faith FM. Positively different. Okay, Mitch, tell us what our question for today is. Question for today is, what is the age of accountability? It's a big question. It's a big question. So we are all either teacher or teachers in training, Mm. and so we're talking about this. But um, you have a Bible verse I think you're going to read. Well, I, I do. It's more the, the angle that I was kind of thinking was down, down the track of, okay, well, how accountable are we and mm. when do we become accountable for whether or not we believe in the existence of God? So mm. that, that's kind of a big, big old tangent there. But I did want to share, so in Romans chapter 1, verse 20, it says, For since the creation of the world, his invisible attributes are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made, even his eternal power and Godhead, so that they are without excuse. Which is a pretty solid statement. Yep. I concur. <laughs> yeah. Yep. But yeah, for me, as I, as I read this, I think, okay, well, even if someone's never sat in a church or heard a sermon or heard anyone actually speak words about God and his existence, waking up, walking outside, looking at the world around us, it's such an incredible earth that we live on. Mm. There is just, I am not a scientist, but I've heard scientists speak and there's some amazing <laughs> things in this world. And even if you just think about the human body, and so for me, when I look at the world and I look at the humans around, I'm like, yeah, there, there is a lot of evidence for mm. the existence of God. And if I look at that, then I have to think, okay, well, what do I do with that? Do I go, okay, yep, there might be evidence, but I don't want to acknowledge that God in my life or give him any kind of say in what happens in my life. Um, but if I do, the flip side then is if we have a look at Acts chapter 2 
in verse 38, it says, Then Peter said to them, Repent and let every one of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. For the promise is to you and to your children and to all who are afar off, as many as the Lord our God will call. Mm. And I just love this idea of God calling humanity back to him, saying, Hey, look, I've given you this world. Have a look at it. It's beautiful. Mm. What are you going to do with the fact that I'm real? Do you want that relationship with me? And if so, all you need to do is repent. Give your heart back to me and then let's do life together. Yeah. I just mm. think that's beautiful. For sure. Mm. Do you have any thoughts, thoughts, Mitch, that you want to share? I do. Uh, mine's not uh, straight from the Bible. Mine's actually a, a educational theory that I learned in one of my classes. Uh, that's a plug for Avondale. Um, <laughs> basically, Lawrence Kohlberg's stages of moral development, there are three stages. The first is uh, pre-conventional where kids might follow rules to avoid the punishment of breaking the rule. Um, and it's and it's self-motivated. It's it's out of self-interest. Level two is where they live up to the expectations of others. There's a social expectation for their behavior, and that's what they'll um, follow. But level three is uh, where they start to follow a developed moral compass. Mm. Their, their sense of right and wrong is now internalized, and they can make decisions for themselves whether it's right or wrong. I don't really know how this might play into your interpretation of of what the age of accountability is that's up to you Mm -hmm. um but i do think that um there's some level of understanding that they need to achieve um in order for them to be accountable otherwise they don't realize that Mm -hmm. they're doing anything wrong Mm. i don't know your thoughts would be good (laughs) no well i kind of like what both of you guys have said and i think i don't know that there is a specific age you know i know friends who from the time they were eight they were like i know i want to get baptized and i want to follow jesus that like they knew that was it and they have since their whole life it's been following jesus and i i've heard some past not all but some past have been like no that's too young and they don't know yet and i was like man they knew i have other friends they did the same and they have since left you know i i don't know that there's a specific time but i think i don't know we all have some degree of knowledge and awareness I know. God knows that. Thanks for being a part of the Faith FM family. Join our community on Facebook or get in touch at 1-800-FAITH-FM.